0: You are listening to Concert
1: Blast. Here are some clips from this show of Concert Blast.
0: It's funny, you know, this is the first time I've seen Sticks, and I'm a solo artist, and I, I can't picture myself ever being in a band, but if, if I were ever to be in a band, I could see myself fitting into this one. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. For the American players we wind up with in the Canadian Football League, so we I think, I, I think you've still gotten the better of the deal, but we thank you regardless.
1: See, y'all send us the best. We've seen you already. <laughs> um,
0: you said it, Mike, not me. I've seen some great football players from Canada. Warren Moon played in Canada.
1: Janet says, saw you Monday night and you rocked. That's all she says.
0: Oh, that's an excellent <laughs> question, and I agree.
1: <laughs> Do you remember what you were doing when uh, John Lennon, when you found out that he was killed?
0: Sadly, I do remember. I was playing at a club in Toronto and our sound man came up and told me and I just thought oh no, he can't you know, he can't be right.
1: What's the wildest thing you've seen happen to you on stage?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's always a great one. And that, that's one that's always moving. I mean, actually one time I was holding Tommy's most precious guitar and I, I think I cracked my ribs but managed to, to save his guitar.
1: You know, when you were in Nashville, the first time we saw you perform, we were almost like, "Let's take some bets about when that keyboard's going to hit him and knock him off that stage."
0: <laughs> you know, you would have won that bet on several other nights. <laughs> uh, luckily, in Nashville, I think I ducked just in time.
1: Welcome to Concert Blast. This is Mike Arnold. I am doing this uh, podcast by myself. This is a special podcast because we're going to have an interview here with Lawrence Galwin, the lead singer keyboardist for Styx. Styx is currently on their tour of the Grand Illusion slash Pieces of Eight tour, along with some other goodies in it. But you're going to hear on this tour The entire albums of those two classic rock albums. They're coming through Nashville, and I'm very excited to see them. And we'll hear a little bit about what's going on here with uh, Lawrence Galwin of Styx. He is the guy who actually took Dennis DeYoung's place, and uh, that was about 12 years ago. So if you've never seen Styx in the last 12 years, you got a great surprise because Lawrence is very energetic and he's a great singer, a great frontman. Like I said, he's energetic. He doesn't just sit down at the piano or sit down at the keyboards and perform. He has a rotating, it looks like a merry-go-round stage that he sits on with his keyboards. There'll be times he'll be up on top of it, on top of his stool, getting the crowd into the show and and what we always like to see as rock fans. He's a great frontman. He will get people singing and carrying on. But uh, we're waiting for the phone call from uh, Lawrence Galwin, and uh, we'll hear more about the tour. Well, Lawrence is on the phone with us here, calling in for Concert Blast. You're on the road, aren't you, Lawrence? Uh, yes,
0: we are in Washington, D.C., the capital of your fair country. <laughs> I say your fair country because I'm, I'm the, the token foreigner in the band. Not in foreign, I'm yeah. sticks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You are from Canada.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm from Canada. I'm from Toronto. And
1: you were born somewhere else, though, weren't you?
0: Exactly, yeah. Well, you've, you've done some great research there, Mike. No, I, I uh, was originally from Glasgow, Scotland, but then uh, our family moved to the Tropic of Canada when I was just a little kid. And then uh fortunately, I wound up drawing the attention of some famous American rock stars and I joined Styx 12 years ago.
1: That had to be a big surprise to uh, be invited to join Styx as a as a frontman. Uh, how did all that happen?
0: Well, it was uh I guess it was a, a process of which I don't know all of the uh, the backroom dramas that, that had to unfold for that to emerge. I, I had a long career in Canada as a, as a solo artist, and I had a, a, quite a successful one because I had four platinum records and three gold and six number ones, but I just, I'd just i never had a record released in the U.S. And in 1997, when they built the new Montreal Forum in Montreal, uh, the promoter asked me to open the show for Sticks, and uh, I hadn't opened for anyone there in Canada for maybe 15 years. But I thought, you know, this is the new Montreal Forum and I probably won't get another chance to play there. So I opened the show and it was one of those kind of Hollywood ending nights where there's a good number of encores and it drew the band's attention. And in 1999, when they, they went through their final backstage drama, <laughs> they decided to, to rectify it by uh, asking me to join the band. And I've been uh, happily a member for, for 12 years, four trips around the world, two Super Bowls, Wembley. <laughs> it's been great.
1: Impressive. I'll tell you, were you a Styx fan? Of
0: course. I I, I really love progressive rock. And, and Sticks they stand apart in that uh, outside of the UK, they're the only really successful progressive rock band in that a name. And, and, you know, to have reached the heights that they did playing a style of music that really is pretty musically intense uh, just shows the power of that band. And, of course, their music is still alive with people and we've seen to that every night you know for over a hundred times a year since I've joined the band and and on this tour with Grand Illusion and Pieces of Eight that's yet another testament to the uh, to the power of the band's music
1: so this tour is the Grand Illusion Pieces of Eight as you just mentioned now that means that we'll be hearing both these albums, is that right?
0: You'll hear not only the entire records, but even the lockout groove and when the needle first drops onto the record. (laughs) So, in that order, yes, in that order. Uh, Yeah, we've, we've stayed as faithful as we possibly can in a live setting. To not only just the running order, but every, every note, every sound, every nuance of, of those records is what's on stage. And in addition to that, it's a pretty elaborate production, of course, in, in Stick's tradition, that support the whole enterprise. And uh, people are absolutely loving it, and we, we can't wait to bring it to Nashville.
1: Well, Nashville is ready for you, I'll tell you that. And you're going to be playing the Ryman Auditorium, yeah.
0: Isn't that great? Yeah. It's such an historic place, and stick's doing a couple of historic albums. It should be historic <laughs> or hysterical.
1: <laughs> so right now you're in Washington D.C. You got New York tomorrow, and then coming back down to the Washington area in Baltimore, Maryland, and then going back up to uh, the New York area to Albany, New York. I see. In the beginning of November, you know, you Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky is one of my favorite cities, and Memphis, and then Nashville.
0: That's correct. That is correct. So we're really we're really giving the East Coast a good hammering. You know, there's just an insatiable appetite for, for Styx music, and we're um, determined to try to, to satisfy it. And
1: then I noticed you going to, uh, well, I think, is it the management from the Atlanta area for Styx?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, the, the final date on this tour this year is in Atlanta, and that is where our management office is. And so, um, yes, the south shall rise again.
1: Well, Atlanta is a great music town. Anytime we take our our show on the road to Atlanta, they just open their arms up to us.
0: Recently, we um, in September, it's our manager Charlie Roscoe was inducted into the uh, Georgia Music Hall of Fame, and we played there that night. And there, there were members of the you know, there were the Black Crows were there, and they, yeah, there was that guy from the Rolling Stones was there, and there were. Uh, India RE and, and we put, we got, we played there because our management is there. We're not Atlanta connected, but oh my god, what a, what a great audience we, we get there every single time.
1: Then you're gonna take off a couple of months and then hit back the road, uh, looks like Nevada and California, huh? In January and February.
0: That's right. January, uh, well on the, I mean, the band is really booked up until the middle of, of next summer because there's just so many places for them to play. And we are still loving it, possibly more than ever now.
1: Well, Nashville is waiting for you to arrive. Now, I think we met first time was in at uh, Nashville at the uh, Wild Horse Saloon. You remember playing that? Oh,
0: right. Was that a, was that a show for the radio station? That was a good one. I yes, do remember uh, playing that. We played the hockey arena there last year. I call it the hockey arena because it's, that's what I think it was on there. If we're not playing there, and that was great. We've had some really great shows in Nashville, but to, to play the Ryman, we did the Ryman, I think, about five years ago. To go back there and, and get onto that the hallowed ground of that stage is uh, is very exciting.
1: So when you play what you call the hockey arena, <laughs> because you're from Canada, hockey's number one there, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yes, it is. I think it's number. I, I don't know if you guys have even assigned it a number yet here, but it's it's pretty important to uh, to our species.
1: Yes, well, it's getting to be pretty important here because uh, our hockey team, you know, the Nashville Predators, they seem to get in the playoffs every year.
0: Well, the predators have done so much better than our lease, you know, from Toronto. So, um, congratulations! I um, I was really liking Nashville a lot up until you reminded me of that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and thanks for the uh, Canadian players that we end up with too. By the way.
0: <laughs> you're, so, you're so welcome, and thank you for the American players we wind up with in the Canadian Football League. So we, I think. <laughs> I think you've still gotten the better of the deal, but we thank you regardless.
1: Yeah, we've seen you are rejects. See, y'all send us the best. We've seen you are rejects.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said it, Mike, not me. I've seen some great football players in Canada. All right? Warren Moon played in Canada.
1: That's right. So, uh, let me ask you this too. Not only are we going to get the Pieces of Eight Grand Illusion albums on this tour, but you also have another surprise. You got some re recorded music.
0: There is some re recorded stuff, yeah. Glad you mentioned that. Yes, we have an album called Sticks Regeneration, which is this band's version of, uh, I think we have six of the classic Stick songs because. We've drawn new generations of fans to the band over the last twelve years, and there's a bit of a disconnect when they hear the greatest hits records were recorded with the different people in the lineup. And so, those are great to have, of course. But but there was a demand for us to uh, to record these songs ourselves, and so we did a what we called a Volume One whole Regeneration. We added a new song to it as well called Difference in the World, and. Um, and that's been doing really well for us uh, on this tour. So there, there is that as well for, for people who are curious about how these songs have developed.
1: One thing I always appreciated about Styx is uh, I've seen you probably three times over the last four or five years. And most classic rock shows that I go to. You can almost predict what they're going to play and the order they're going to play. But you guys always rearrange everything. And I really appreciate that. Uh, and this tour is a uh, whole tour's rearranged, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Oh man there's there's stuff on here there's stuff on this tour. Like that Sticks have never played on stage before, never played in concert before. And that's what people are. People are chomping at the bit for to hear those songs. And, and that's great. And, and thanks for noticing that. That really comes down to J.Y. and Tommy Shaw really sitting down and figuring out what we haven't done so far and, and always mixing up the set list. Because they have, uh, as J.Y. puts it, there's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the, uh, the choices of songs to play.
1: Yeah. Have you been packing the places?
0: We have the Beacon Theater sold out in uh, on Broadway in New York on Thursday. and I know the is going to be people coming out the windows. Well, not out the windows, because you'll be careful with those. <laughs> It'll be a hotbed of, of sticks festivities.
1: Every time I've seen you guys, you've packed a place. So uh, that was a silly question. Now, now, let me ask you some more about your personal life here. I've posted on Facebook. Can you give me some, some things you'd like to talk to uh, Lawrence about? Some questions for me to ask you. From the fans, and so I've got several, if you don't mind uh, going through these. Shoot. This one's from Vanessa, I think's her name. She says, how long are you on tour a year?
0: We play over 100 shows a year. This year, I think we're doing like about 108. So we're on the road at least six to seven months of the year, and uh, and we still love it.
1: And do you have a family?
0: I do have a family, and they're great, and they've always known me like this. And We seem to have survived pretty well.
1: Do you ever come on the road with you?
0: Uh, occasionally, yes. It's a balancing act for every for everyone in life, and, and uh, we, we've managed to the right balance.
1: Janet says, saw you Monday night, and you rocked. That's all she says.
0: Oh, that's an excellent question, and I agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that question, too. Kimberly here says, what age did you start playing a musical instrument, and what was it?
0: I was eight years old, I started on the guitar because I just had seen the Beatles and had to play the guitar. But when I was 10, my mom, um, almost passive-aggressive way, she said, you know, it'd be too bad you can't play the piano. (laughs) When when your mom puts it that way to you, you suddenly go, oh, can't I? And so uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was 10, and I was just, uh, I was a better piano player than guitar player, and that's why possibly I have employment today.
1: Speaking of your employment, she also wants to know, when did you realize that you wanted to make music as a career?
0: Uh, Almost immediately, uh, to be honest, I I, I remember playing in grade school and noticing that my classmates suddenly had a different attitude toward me after I played an instrument in front of them. And that that told me that this might be a good path to follow.
1: Mike also left a, a fun question. Really, not a question here. It says Mike from St. Louis saw you in St. Louis, and Lawrence really kicked it. <laughs>
0: okay, another great question. Dig
1: it. Yeah, you like those questions, don't you? Well, let me ask you: When you on tour, do you do y'all have a tour bus? Do you fly in or?
0: Oh no, we've got we've got the beautiful tour buses, you know. And Nashville, of course, is famous for. Cranking those out, and we have yeah the tour buses. There's no there's no hardship on tour whatsoever. The tour buses are like five star hotels on on wheels, and they drive us up to five star hotels that we stay in, and then we play in front of a bunch of five star fans. So that's it's it's all very very conducive to the the decadent rock and roll lifestyle, and and uh, and we love it.
1: Lawrence, I know throughout your your whole career, you remember having bad shows. I can't imagine Styx ever having a bad show where the audience just wasn't into you. Has that ever happened to you over the, what, about 12 years now with Sticks?
0: It has never happened. It has never happened and Todd our drummer has says the curious thing is because you know we've played with other bands and other other ventures we've taken on the road. And he said the curious thing for him is that you know and he's touching wood whenever he says it, but stick just never has had a bad night. And I think that's due quite honestly, Mike, to the fact that there's so much talent on that stage. It really is five front men up there. If someone's got a cold or someone's, you know, sick or, got a, or having a hard time, there's so much extra talent up there to pick up the slack that that you'd never know. And that usually invariably just becomes part of the show and makes it even that much more memorable. And that's what the, this band brings to the stage each and every night, and I cannot vision a time when they wouldn't be doing that.
1: And I've also noticed that right before Come Sail Away, you come out and you try to get the audience singing different classic songs. I like that. I love that. Do you still do that on this tour because of the arrangement?
0: Not on this tour. On this run, I can't. Uh, it would be. It would take the people too much out of the album experience to um, kind of throw them a curveball like that. Th- those kind of curveballs are are uh, fun to do when we're doing a greatest hits type of show. But this show, it flows so beautifully and keeps people in the album experience, and we don't really want to mess that too much. So I felt that that's not really conducive to this run, and so we have some other little things instead.
1: And we don't want the needle to skip on the record either, do we?
0: We do not want that to happen. No one likes to see that. (laughs)
1: That's right. (laughs) Sherry wants to know the song, uh, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's Titanhurst Park?
0: Oh, no, yes, she's mentioning the song Titanhurst Park, T-I-T-T-E-N-H-U-S-R-S-T. Tittenhurst Park was the house where John Lennon lived in Ascot, England in the uh, late 60s and the early 70s. And in that house he recorded, he had a home studio in there, he put it in, and he recorded the Imagine album. And what she's referring to is that in nineteen eighty four, when Ringo was living in that house, I actually made an album there, a solo album that went on to do to do very well, it was the number one record in in Canada. It was never released in the United States, unfortunately. But um this year for John Lennon's seventieth anniversary, I wrote a song about that experience called Tittenhurst Park, I Met the Spirit There, because it was inescapable that, that John's kind of essence was still on the grounds there and very much in in, uh, in evidence, you know, and of course having another Beatle living there at the time only amplified that even further, but it was a fantastic experience that I had, and, and that's why I put that song out, and it's on John Lennon's uh, tribute site that's up right now uh, to celebrate 70 years of John Lennon on planet Earth.
1: Very nice. Do you remember what you were doing, when uh, John Lennon, when you found out that he was killed?
0: Sadly, I do remember. I was playing at a club in Toronto, and our sound man came up and told me, and I just thought, oh, no, he can't you know, he can't be right. And I, I ran out to our, my rusty van that time. I turned the radio on, and Imagine was playing just when I turned the radio on, and I thought, I hope that's just a coincidence, but sadly... You know, it it went the way it went, and we're the fortunate ones left behind who still have uh, John's music to uh, to inspire us and make our lives more meaningful.
1: So you were a big Beatles fan and they influenced you to get started.
0: Who could say they're not? I, I defy anyone to even. Anyone who claims they're not, it's so funny because I'll often say, well, what do you think of this song or that song? And, and usually they'll wind up saying, well, I love that song. Oh, I love that song. And you can name by about five or six. And they said, and, go, and you still say you're not a Beatles fan. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. I, we know they, they had such a profound effect upon music in the last half of the 20th century, and uh, we were the happier recipients.
1: Here's one from Thomas. He asks the same question we always ask. I guess he's heard our show, but uh, what's the wildest thing you've seen happen to you on stage?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's always a great one. That's one that's always moving. I mean, I've had embarrassing moments where I've completely wiped out. Actually, one time I was holding Tommy's most precious guitars, and I I think I cracked my ribs but managed to, to save his guitar. My keyboard rig on stage is very unique because it spins, and in the early days before I had uh, learned how to ride the thing properly, and I, um, I often would forget exactly where in the spin it was and could quite easily knock myself out. In fact, my tailbone was a recipient of, of some horrible on-stage accidents when I jumped off the thing and, and didn't gauge just how fast it was spinning. So, yeah, there have been some some horrible, horrible things. But also there have been times when, you know, some overly zealous People from the audience have gotten up on stage and and let people just know in the audience just how much they love the show. And I'll leave that to people's imaginations as to how they uh, exhibited that.
1: <laughs> you are, you're all right, Lawrence. I like that. <laughs> Another guy says, "What was the transition like going from opening for sticks in the mid '90s to actually becoming their lead singer in the late '90s?"
0: That's a tough one. That's a tough one to really answer because it was it was a spectacular experience, and it and it's funny to be completely straightforward it had a very natural feeling to it funny enough because when i saw the band when i opened for the band i made a comment to my manager who was there then said right out of my mouth i said it's funny you know this is the first time i've seen sticks and i'm a solo artist and i've i i can not picture myself ever being in a band but if if i were ever to be in a band i could see myself fitting into this one and i, I said those words to him and a couple of other witnesses there and sure enough that's exactly what happened and so it's been a good fit and that really it's, it's a fantastic opportunity that that so far I've uh, uh, you know I've been able to meet the, the challenge of and um, I love it
1: and we love you being with Sticks I'll tell you what it's great to have more energy on the stage that you provide as a front man as a lead man as a keyboard player you don't sit right behind the keyboard and start playing <laughs> you are all over the place, like you talk about the, the rotating. You know, when you were in Nashville, the first time we saw you perform, we were almost like, let's take some bets about when that keyboard's going to hit him and knock him off that stage.
0: <laughs> you know, you would have won that bet on several other nights. <laughs> uh, luckily, in Nashville, I think I ducked just in time. Early on when I joined the band, J.Y. said that uh, he, he diagnosed me with, uh, with uh, chronic entertainer syndrome, and, and he, so hopefully uh, they'll never find a cure.
1: Yeah, let's hope not. Now, let me ask you, what are you currently listening to?
0: Oh, man. I listen to a lot of new music. Everything from, like, uh, Keen or uh, Radiohead or uh, who else do I like that's, that's new right now? I listen to The Killers, right? but I also listen to black metal stuff that comes out. I listen to any any kind of progressive rock, like a little bit of Porcupine Tree, and uh, I still listen to my Elton John records whenever I can, and my Beatle records and Rolling Stone stuff. So, And, of course, the progressives of Genesis and Yes and all that type of thing, but I also listen to a lot of classical music as well recently. I've been listening to a lot of Debussy. So I, I got a fairly eclectic taste when it comes to music, and it's it always uh, enriches my life every day.
1: Well, Lawrence, one more question. We always like to end the, uh, the interview sessions with this one question. What are you most thankful for?
0: Having music in my life uh, is the thing I'm most thankful for, the fact that I've been fortunate enough to do you know, what I have a bit of a gift to do and, and be able to, uh, to embrace that every single day because it, it causes you to confront your soul in a, in, a, in a fantastic way, and it really makes life on earth. Very, very enjoyable. Even in your worst moments, it can do a lot of healing. So um, that's what I'm grateful for.
1: Yes, and we're grateful for you for calling in to Concert Blast to uh, talk about the tour and talk about yourself. And everybody out there, if you're out there considering going to see Sticks, you've got to get your tickets because this is going to be this is a unique show. And I don't have to tell you any more about that, because if you like sticks, you will love this show, and especially the the new EP that Lawrence talked about with the re-recorded hits, classic hits. What are some of those songs that's on there? I know Crystal Ball's on there. and
0: Crystal Ball, Come Sail Away, Grand Illusion, uh, we've got Sing for the Day, we've got Lorelei, good number of them.
1: You can also get this EP, I think, at the show, if I remember right.
0: That is correct. That is correct. That's where we're we're selling them at the
1: moment. Well, Lawrence, thank you once again for joining Concert Blast and uh, sharing your experiences with all of us. And I appreciate you. It's always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing you again in Nashville, Tennessee, this time at the Ryman Auditorium. Fantastic, Mike. Great to talk to you again, man. All right, you too. Take care, man.
0: All the best. We'll talk to you. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye. Well, as you just heard, we had a great conversation with Lawrence Gowan, and I do encourage you guys to uh, get a ticket. Go see Sticks. They're a really good live show, and Lawrence adds so much more to it by uh, being the energetic performer that he is. Thank you again, Lawrence, once again. Thank you, Amanda, the publishers for Sticks, for setting all this up for us. Get on ConcertBlast.com, look at my book that I have for sale. There's a cover link on there. Just click the link, read all about the book, and there's an order form that you can also order it. With all that said, that helps us with our uh, expenses. Also, send us an email, ConcertBlast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Brian J. Hasbrook, James Downing, Tom Thompson, Mike Arnold, and we also have a fan page called Concert Blast. You can give us our like and keep up with all of our information. Whenever we're at a show, we try to update you on what's going on with us at the show. So log on to Facebook and uh, give us that like link. All right, until next time, this is Mike Arnold signing off for James, Brian, and Tom. Until next time, God bless you, everybody. I want (laughs) to thank you for letting me be myself. Again, bum 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 bump bum 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 I get the bow. <laughs> you get the low boom How low can you go?